All right. All the way from Atlanta comes the guest today who flew in with his very airy library. Do you love it? This is the most incredible new children's YouTube show, the likes of Mr. Rogers and Barney and Friends and some of the others that caught the eye, this one, of Ellen DeGeneres. And we're going to be talking about that. So today, listen in. This show is about the success of this man because of his mantra, which is kindness. And he's called Stan the Man. You won't want to miss it. Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. All right, I want to welcome Stan Tucker from Atlanta, Stan the Man. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today, Ms. Valerie. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. We've got so much to talk about. You know that I do a lot of research and certainly you and I had a conversation. This endeavor, this nonprofit, this heartfelt um, whole initiative that you have started, I can't wait to talk about it with you. I wanna start by kind of where it did start, Dan, with your dad that you just adored who died at eight years old. Would you tell us about your dad and the impact that he had on what you're doing today? Yeah, um, as, you, as we know, everything happens in our lives for a reason. And my father is a huge part of my story today. Uh, as you mentioned, he passed away when I was eight years old. Uh, he was 39 and uh, he was killed in a car accident. And at the time I, I didn't understand why um, he was taken away from me. You know, I was just getting to that age of where me and my dad are able to hang out and, and throw the ball and, you know, I could finally catch and, you know, I could hang out and do the things, some of the things that he did, you know, he was an entrepreneur. He had his own car detailing shop and, um, I, I was just confused at the time. I just didn't realize, um, you know, I couldn't comprehend at, at a young man of, of why I was losing him, but, uh, now he's all a part of my story. I wrote a children's book called Stan and the man, and it's about me and my father and the experiences that we had together. And I use that book, uh, today to, to fuel, uh, my initiatives. Um, I use that book to kick off the writing program. So, um, I write the, I wrote the book for three reasons. One reason is to honor my father and to make him proud. Uh, the second reason is to inspire other kids to write their own stories because I tell them if I can do it, they can do it as well. And then the third reason is to inspire the kids to live a life that, that makes their parents proud. So when I think about the relationship and the short time that I had with my father, it was all a part of my story to be able to impact um, kids' lives in, in several ways now. You know, Stan, um that's a pretty tough thing to deal with when you're that young. Tell us about the book and uh, the Be Kind 39 that's in it. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I wrote the book, I wanted to, when I, when I think about sharing it to, to students and to schools, 
uh, I wanted to have something to keep the kids inspired long after I'm gone. And so I decided to um, honor my dad through a kindness challenge. You know, one of our main focuses uh, of the nonprofit is inspiring kindness and literacy, right? And I uh, kind of let that bleed over into my book. And so I was saying earlier that my father passed away uh, when he was 39. So I created a kindness challenge called Be Kind 39. And there are 39 acts of kindness in honor of my father's life. And whenever I read my book to a school, I'll tell them, um, I'll tell all the kids, and I just did this this past Friday. So you guys all heard the story. You heard about the man, my father. And uh, if you would join me in honoring my dad by taking this Be Kind 39 challenge. And um, I say by show of hands, who will, who will help me? And every time I do that, every hand is raised. And so uh, it's really special to me uh, that the kids are, you know, honoring my dad and, and making the world a kinder place, one act of kindness at a time. Stan, we need all the kindness we can get. That is for sure. It's so impressive, the things you're doing. Would you start from, I was born, not really, <laughs> but almost. I want to hear- How much we time wanna, do we have? <laughs> really. I want to hear the story of how what you're doing today, which is incredible. It's, there is a children's YouTube show that Stan is doing. He'll tell you about it. And I couldn't, couldn't take my eyes off it. You know, we adults, usually enjoyed watching what the kids watched when they were toddlers. And so I kind of put myself back in that mode when I was watching with my children, things like Barney and friends. And I was fascinated, yeah. but you're doing some wonderful things with your nonprofit, but you've got, uh, you've got a whole endeavor on authors as children and books, helping them read and all of that. That's all I'm going to say. You start from where you went to college and how all this happened, that pivot point for you at camp. Yeah, for sure. So um, I went to Kennesaw State University and I majored in early childhood education. I became a second grade teacher and my goal was to become a principal, uh, but God had another plan for me. Um, my, my last year of teaching, I was living in a gated community outside of Atlanta and someone broke into my apartment while I was away at school. And, um, about two months later, someone stole my tires off my car in front of my car, uh, in front of my uh, apartment. And I, I said to myself, I think it's time to move. And, uh, at that time I didn't realize, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, a teacher, I'm, I'm being a good role model. I was working two jobs at the time. I had a part-time gig and I'm like, I'm working, working hard to do these things and people are, are stealing from me. And, and now I, I understand why all that happened was to, to get me to the place that I am now. Uh, rewinding just a little bit, um, one of the most defining moments of my time in the classroom was uh, on a crisp fall morning, the book fair was coming to town and there's an excitement in the, in the building and all the kids are are excited to get all the books that they want from the book fair. And I tell my kids, all right, everyone who has money, line up at the door and everyone else just continue to do your morning work. And so one of my students comes up and he says, Mr. Tucker, my mom said we don't have money for books and so I'm not gonna be able 
would go with. And it broke my heart. You know, I was like, you didn't have to tell me why you couldn't go to the book fair. He was the only one. It was about 10 other kids and they're just doing their morning work. You know, they didn't have any money, but they didn't feel the need to tell me. And so I thought in his mind, he thought it was wrong. And he had to tell me why, like it was a problem that he couldn't go. And I wanted to buy every kid a book from that point. And fast forward back to all of this happening, you know, my car and, and apartment gets broken into. So I ended up moving and it was toward the end of the year. And so where I moved was just going to be too far of a commute from where I was teaching. So I was just going to take a year off and do my research on another school district. And during that time, I uh, just needed something to get me back in front of kids. And I uh, started going out and, and doing read alouds in schools and um, what I quickly realized was that I could have a broader reach, you know, um, when you're in a classroom, your reach kind of stays within those four walls of your classroom and then uh, a smaller reach in the four walls of that building, right? Now, granted, there's no greater impact than a classroom teacher. But what I realized is that, you know, I remember when we had guests uh, come into our classroom and how the kids just lit up, you know, and, and listened to every word that those guests would come in and talk about, whether it was career day or whatnot. So I know how powerful a visit can be for a student. And so I just realized, I was like, man, I have a, a bigger reach. Um, I won't make an impact, a bigger impact as being a classroom teacher, but I can still make an impact. And so um, I stumbled into the nonprofit world and I, I remembered my, my student and how he couldn't afford books. And so I said, I want to create a program for all the students like, and his name was Juan, um, all the students like Juan who uh, can't afford books. I want to be able to provide books for them, but I said, I want them to be able to earn it. And so um, our bookmobile, the kids have to do acts of kindness to earn their books. So we have a saying that kindness is the currency. And so it started right there. And then um, after some time, we start developing, uh, I developed another program and a, another program. So right now, the three things we focus on is book ownership. And so we do that through our bookmobile where kids get to earn books and keep them forever. Uh, since the pandemic, we had to we had to shift a little bit. Um, we weren't able to take our bookmobile out to schools uh, for almost two years. And um, I, I said, I, if, if the pandemic is, is still around in another year or so, how can we give books away if um, we can't physically take a bus to the school? So we just developed a, a virtual app. And so now it's, a, it's our virtual bookmobile. So now any kid across America can log in, do their acts of kindness and read, and they earn literacy coins and kindness coins, and they can pay for a book and we can ship it right to them. So it's a virtual bookmobile as well now. So we first focus on book ownership. Uh, the second thing we focus on is book authorship. So we have a pro program called Share Your Story, where we uh, try to inspire the next generation of storytellers. So it's an eight-week process uh, where we take the kids through um, our steps in becoming an author. And so every week we send home a training video where I'll talk about that particular step in the writing video. And then we um, give kids an opportunity to meet eight other published authors and to hear their stories and ask them questions. And at the end of the eight weeks, the kids will submit their books and um, put all their finishing touches on their final draft. And then we will choose some of those books for professional illustrations. And uh, the kids uh, get 100% of the royalties for those books as well. So you can find all those kids' books on Amazon. And uh, the kids 
our first 16 kids have made over $1,800 um, combined just on Amazon sales. That's not um, including what they've sold in hand. Um, and we have another uh, 24 books that'll be um, published in the next uh, month. So we'll have 40 books here soon. And then uh, we promote book enjoyment. So before the very airy library, um, I had a YouTube channel, and we still have it. It's called Stories with Stan. And it's where myself and other guest authors would come on and we would read books in the show, The Joy of Reading. And, uh, and that was our last initiative. But now we've, I've kind of taken off on another flight with the very airy library also to encourage book ownership as well. So those are the three things that we're, we're doing with Leap for Literacy, encouraging book ownership, book authorship, and book enjoyment. Wow, and wow, and wow. <laughs> you know, Stan, my daughter w did something you will appreciate, and it has paid off. She took the two grandchildren to the library every day. Every day, just I'm sure partially, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sure partially stand to have something to do, right? But she did when they were mm -hmm. toddlers, and they would go up to the second floor to the children's books, and and she give her a chance to breathe a little bit, and so they. My point is, they learned to enjoy books. Do you think that makes a yeah. difference when they're when they're young? I do, I do, and, and kudos to to your daughter. Um, that's that's what we have to do. We have to model the love of of reading now, uh, because what's modeling to our kids now are devices, right? The cell phones, the tablets, the video games. I was just giving a um, interview earlier uh, this week and uh, they asked me, were there any last words I'd like to say? And I said, you know, this goes out to all the parents out there. It's our job to um, show these kids the power of books and, and storytelling. And I said, how do we do that? We do it through modeling it, showing them that we find value in it. Mm -hmm. Because if the kids see us on our cell phones, guess what? They're, they're going to want to be on a cell phone or a tablet. Um, so what your daughter is, did with your grandchildren was instill the value of going to the library, getting books. And um, you can go anywhere, anywhere that you can Google on that cell phone or that tablet, you can find, you can go to that place in a book. So it's very important for, for us to, to encourage that, the love of books. And, and that's what I'm hoping that, you know, I'm doing on a small scale. I feel like if I can just encourage one kid to, to love books and to love storytelling, my work is done. Well, that's, that's a kind heart. That's where it all starts, Dan. What an impact your dad had. I want to ask about a surprise that you had when you were on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Tell us about that. And yeah. it is on video. People can see it. It's down on the screen right now. I want you to go back and see that. So, okay, tell us what happened on the, did you know that you were going to be on Ellen's show? Well, well, I didn't know. Um, I was, I, I tell this story um, to, to people about just like perseverance and, you know, I, I was down and out, you know, I had, uh, I'm currently in my seventh year of uh, running Leap for Literacy and, and when I was on the show or when I first got my call from the Ellen Show, I was about 
two and a half years in and I was just like any other, you know, startup nonprofit or business. It was tough. You know, the money wasn't coming in. I was spending money to buy books out of my own pocket. No one was donating. I wasn't getting any grants. And um, I had just got a, another job, a full-time job at a, at a very um, high-end job. And I was one of the first staff and I was just looking at the growth in that place. And I, I was very close to, to letting Leap for Literacy dissolve. Mm. And I got a call from the Ellen Show. Um, and I'm not superstitious, but I'm stitious. <laughs> That's what I tell people. Uh, my dad's birthday is October 9th. And so uh, October 9th, 2017, I get a call and it's a California number. And I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna answer. So I let it go. I didn't know it was, so I let it go to voicemail. And they left a message and they said, hey, this is such and such from the Ellen Show. Um, we've heard about the work that Stan's doing in Atlanta and we want to uh, get in contact with it. And I'm like, the Ellen Show calling me and you know, I'm almost about to give up, you know. And so I give them a buzz and um, I had a great interview with the, with the first guy I contact, connected with. And um, he was like, look, I'm going to give your information over to the content director and, and maybe she'll call you back in a couple of days. And so the next day they gave me a call back and uh, I had another great interview um, with them, with the content director. And she said, well, I'm gonna give this to the hands of B and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll have you on the show um, soon. And uh, nothing happened for mm -hmm. almost two years. Oh, uh, but what did happen at that moment, it reignited that passion. You know, you know, I was down and out, was about to give up. And I'm like, man, the Ellen Show is recognizing the work that I'm doing. I must be doing something right. So I reignited that passion. Um, I started, you know, just going out and, and telling people about um, the work that I was doing. And I um, got connected with, with Zach Brown from the Zach Brown Band. And the job that I told you I worked at, I was working at his, his summer camp and I met him while I was working at a restaurant and, and I was his server and we started talking fast forward during that call 2017. Um, I said, let me go to Zach and ask him if he'll, he'll help me. Cause when our initial meeting, I left that out, our initial meeting, he said, you know, maybe I can help you out one day. And so I asked him if he would help me out and uh, he donated his, his limo bus uh, that I turned into a, a bookmobile. And uh, he gave me a donation to get our first stock of books and we filmed a little documentary uh, the first day I took the bus out. And uh, a lot of people started seeing what I was doing because now I, I'm mobile. You know, before I was just kind of delivering books out of my car. And so no one sees, you know, a Honda Element coming to a school. That doesn't get attention. But when you pull up in this beautiful colored um, bus stop full of books, you know, you get people's attention. And a few people started tagging Ellen and I didn't tell anybody outside of my immediate family that I got the call from Ellen. And uh, so people started um, tagging her on some of my images and uh, they reached back out to me two years later and uh, almost two years to the date of that first initial call, uh, I was on the show. So October 7th, 2019, uh, my episode aired. And so uh, it's, it's really cool how they surprise you. Uh, you know, a lot of times you look at shows and you're like, is that reaction authentic? Uh, let me tell you, uh, most of the time they are, at least in my case. The way they um, 
the way they kind of kept it a secret, they told me that they were just going to invite me out to the show um, because they were doing something called people you need to know in your community, people that were doing good, sort of kind of like what you're doing. And uh, and so they said, you know, we'll let you come out and, and be a part of the show. And then after the show, we're going to record you um, for that social media plug. And uh, I, I took the bait, I believe, to, and midway through the show, um, they said they needed a, a contestant to play a game, and uh, I was that contestant. So I was definitely surprised. They they, they really sold the story. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. So if you go back and watch the clip, I was extremely nervous. I almost rolled the ball off the stage. I was so nervous. So, But it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You know, um, It also helped validate my program and what I'm doing. And I'm um, just forever grateful and, and uh, thankful for that opportunity. That is that is the funniest show. Yes, I watched the clip, and there's the URL for our uh, for our audience to watch it too. What was so funny was <laughs> she just kept making fun of you trying to do the game, and I'm not going to say any more than that, audience. You just have to watch it because it was a great show, and Ellen, of course, is so funny. And Stan, you could tell that you were totally surprised. And what surprised you the most at the end? What was that? Yeah, the big surprise was uh, a $25,000 check to help us expand our reach for Leap for Literacy. And uh, at the time, that was, and still now, that's our biggest donation. We had another $25,000 donation uh, a year or so ago, but it's still one of the top donations that we've, we've ever received. So at that time, it was the biggest, and it was a game changer. And it allowed us to literally, we didn't have much money in the bank at the time. And so uh, it was it was perfect. And um, like I said, I'll, I'll never, never forget it. And it was a huge surprise because, you know, I and I'm not going to spoil it for those who haven't seen it, but I just wasn't expecting it because of the, the scenario with with the game. So uh -huh. it was uh, a moment that I'll, I'll forever cherish. And um, every time I go back and watch it, I. I get the chills just thinking about how how impactful it was uh, for us at the time. And I got the chills watching it, so I can't wait for <laughs> my audience to, to watch that segment. You know, it goes, Stan, I ask you, as I always do, what are some of your lessons learned? And we call them teachable points of view so that we ought to be mm -hmm. teaching other people what we've done and could have done <clears throat> better, right? And one of them uh, mm -hmm. goes right along. It says, don't rush the process. It takes time to get where you want to be. That just resonated so much with me because in my journey and still in this mm -hmm. journey, I'm so yeah. impatient, right, Stan? Oh, yeah. what we want to oh, see yeah. things happen. And mm -hmm. they did out of the blue. You never yeah. know. And that goes to another point of view that you gave me about Zach. Now, first of all, tell the audience who he is. Yeah, so I, a lot of times I don't like to, to name drop, and so that's kind of why I left him out of my story, and I had to rewind, and I'm like, man, I should have just put him in there. Uh, but he's a Grammy Award-winning country artist, and uh, he's, he's a pretty big deal in, in the country world. And um, he, he started a camp uh, about 20 miles south of the airport here in Atlanta, a little town. Uh, a town called Fayetteville, Georgia, and it's a camp for um, uh, kids with uh, special needs as well as typical uh, developing kids, and it's an inclusive model, and uh, 
it's, it's an amazing program, and I got an opportunity to be a part of that as I was growing um, Leap for Literacy. But when to rewind and give you a little context of how I met him, um, when I left the school system, uh, I told you I was looking for another school district to to um, settle down in, and I started working at a restaurant in the evening, and during the day I was going out promoting literacy and uh, promoting the love of reading and, and giving away books. And so one evening, Zach and his family comes in, and um, it actually wasn't my table that him and his family sat in, and it was a fellow server's table, and um, at that restaurant, they kind of staged us in um, time-wise, and so she was going to be in in the next 10 minutes or so. And so um, we had a um, protocol that you had to greet your table, say hello to a table within the first 30 seconds to a minute that they were there. And so I knew that girl wasn't gonna be there at that moment. So I said, let me just go over and greet them, you know, and to get them, you know, situated until she gets in. And so I get over there and he has five kids under the age of, of 10 at the time. And I think the youngest was like one or maybe not even, you know, uh, very young, maybe one or two. And so I went over, hey, how are you all doing? He's like, we're ready to order. And I'm like, okay. And so I began to take the order and didn't even tell him my name, you know. And um, so I take the order, but as I'm taking the kids order, I'm kind of making conversation with them. That's just the teacher in me, hey, what grade are you in? What are you learning right now? And so I take the order. And then as soon as I take the order, the young lady's table, who it was, came in. And so she's like, that's my table. Anybody that's ever served, you know, your, your section is your territory. That's your money, you know. And so uh, you don't want to come in and, and, and your section is full because you're not making any money. So I'm like, here you go. I got their order. I went on and started doing my thing in my own section. And um, they got their food. And so he's still under the impression I'm his server. And so he holds up his card. And um, to, to flag me that he's ready to pay out. And so I just grab his card and um, I run the check for, for the, the other server and I go back and give it to him. And I say, hey, um, thank you so much for coming out. And he was like, hey, man, what do you do? I was telling my wife there's, there's something special about you. And so I told him that I was a former teacher and I was starting this literacy initiative. And he was telling me about his little camp that he was starting in Fayetteville. And he said, maybe we can help each other out. You know, maybe you can uh, come help us out as we're, you know, starting this program. And uh, maybe I can help you out. And so um, that's how I started working um, at his camp. And uh, during that time, uh, that's when I got the call from the Ellen Show about a year into working there. And I went back to that conversation that we initially had where he said he would help me out one day. And so when I got the call from the Ellen Show, uh, it and inspired me. And I said, let me just go ask uh, Zach. And I asked him and uh, here we are. So that's uh, a little bit about the, the Zach Brown story. So such a good dude, definitely support. He makes great music and he's doing amazing things for, for kids as well. Wow. I mean, we'd all like to have a Zach in our life. <laughs> but, seriously, but seriously. Stan, it goes to something else you said, sow as many seeds as you can. And that's what yeah. you did. You just kept sowing the, the ideas and sowing the yeah. movement and moving forward. The part yeah. of this that you've said over and over again is how nothing was happening nothing was happening nothing was happening mm. and yeah. then and then when the timing was right things started yeah. happening 
But here's the deal, right. Stan. Sometimes we don't recognize that. Sometimes yeah. we don't recognize that. Or I'll hear someone say, I was just lucky. Well, I think mm. luck is when preparedness meets opportunity. Yeah. For sure. You like that? I, I love that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to write that one down. You can steal that. <laughs> Luck is when preparedness meets opportunity, and that's what happened to mm -hmm. you. The story is incredible. I I, I don't want to close without talking about your new your your YouTube show, and the set, and have yeah. people go go and see it because it looks like you are in a Hollywood production. And I know better. So tell us, can you tell us behind the scenes really how that set came into being? And it isn't Hollywood, but boy, it sure looks like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's, it's such a, a beautiful set. Um, I get asked quite often, are you behind a green screen? And I'm like, no, this is this is real. Uh -huh. um, the, the the producers of the show, they're, they're twin brothers, um, young the young brothers, and they're just a talented duo. Um, they uh, produce the show, they film it, they built the set, um, they write the episodes. They're just great guys, and um, you talk about sowing seeds. Uh, the way I met them was literally that that same thing, planting a seed. And um, I was in college at the time, um, and I was working out in, in a gym, and I saw this guy that, that looked like an action figure, and I said, I want to look like that guy. And so I went over and, and asked him if I could work out, and uh, he was like, sure, man, let's let's do it. And so we worked out maybe two weeks together, maybe, maybe four or five times tops. This guy's super busy. Um, and so, but one of those times that we worked out, I remember um, one of the questions I asked him and his response kind of left me um, just inspired and, and in awe. I, I asked him, I said, what are you going to the college for? And he said, I'm an English major and I want to write children's books one day. And so he's a young African-American male, like I said, looks like an action figure and, you know, looks like that athlete, not a children's author. And at that time, you know, that was when I was growing up, that was the, the era before self-publishing. So you, we didn't have any author visits. So I had never met an author, you know, and so to hear someone that normally you would look at that you would think that was going to school to, to write, hopefully one day write children's books. And so that always stuck with me. I never had the, the idea of writing a children's book at the time, but I was, you know, um, going to be a teacher. And I thought that was so cool. So fast forward, Five years later, my children's book just gets released. And so his name is Wilson. So Wilson uh, sees it on Facebook and he's like, man, he reaches out. He's like, congratulations, man. That's huge. He said, I am, I just finished up my children's book. And um, can you help me navigate through the final processes? And I'm like, sure, man. I said, man, you don't, you, you won't believe how impactful um, our conversation was when uh, we were on, I, I remember where we were in the gym. I told him what machine we was on. And, and I said, man, of course, you know, and um, so he's friends with the brothers. And so they were going to help him with some of his graphic design stuff. And so he asked me to, to meet at their uh, studio. And so I went over there and um, they were in there listening to, to my story. And, um, and so I, I got their card. And so um, they did a, um, 
we had a right before the 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 pandemic we we had a, um, a leap year right and so um it was on a saturday and i don't know if you know anything about leap years but it only falls on a saturday every 28 years so we have this we have our inaugural event, uh, our Leap for Literacy um, social was on that evening. And so I asked the, the brothers if they were available to come out and, and film the event. And so they said, yeah, they came out and they did a great job. And so three weeks later, everything shuts down. And uh, I'm working at the camp at the, at the time and we're trying to come up with ideas for virtual programming. And so I said, what about if I did a virtual read aloud? And so I reached out to the brothers and I said, hey, would you guys be interested in recording me read books and we can, you know, um, share them over the Internet. Right. And so they said, sure, let's let's do it. And so one thing led to another. If you go back and you watch some of those initial uh, book readings, we were on a black background. There was nothing to it. Uh, then the guys were like, hey, would you like more of an identity? We can build you kind of like a little um, a little homely set, you know. And so we started there. And then the next thing you know, the idea of, of a show came up. And so that's where uh, the very library was born. But I, I wanted to give you that story just to show you how planting that seed, you know, just asking someone to work out turns into uh, a new children's show. So um, if you get a chance to, to go to YouTube and check out the, the show, uh, the set is, um, is taking place inside the walls of this magical tree and so the whole storyline goes is that there's a magical library hidden in the forest what makes it magical is that it has every book ever written in this library so my dad goes on this journey to find this library he spends his whole life trying to find it people say you're crazy it doesn't exist and he tells me about it and so he passes away at a young age and so we're taking components of my real life and putting it into the 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 fictional show so he passes away and and in his honor, I want to find this library because I believe it's real, because I believe my dad. And so I find it, and it's in shambles, and I decide to rebuild it. Uh, but this time, I don't want it to be hidden. I want to make it accessible to all, like my bookmobile that I'm taking out and spreading um, the, the joy of reading and books to kids. And so I turn it into a flying library. And so our mission is to keep this magical library alive and the way we do that is by going out and finding the newest books that have been written to put into this magical library well this is where everything comes full circle if you remember earlier in the call i talked about we focus on book authorship and kids um, get to go through our eight-week course and they learn how to write their book and we professionally illustrate some of those books well the way that everything comes full circle is that the books that we're going to find are the books of the kids who wrote them in our program uh. so that's where i believe that sets us apart from a lot of um, children's shows that have have been before us uh, is that um, kids really get an opportunity to to be on the show like write a story any kid has a even playing field uh to be on the on the show just go out and write a story share your story and and the coolest thing is about stories is that hey we all have a story mm -hmm. and so that's what i'm super excited about is just inspiring the next generation of, of storytellers through this show you know I, I told a guy this the other day i said I, I can't wait until you know 10 15 20 years from now and there's a new new york times best-selling author 
and he's doing a call, he or she's doing a call on your show, Valerie, and you say, where did you get this, this passion of, of writing? And that kid says, um, you won't believe it, but there was a show when I was growing up called the Very Airy Library, and Stan told me if I wanted to be on the Very Airy Library, all I had to do was write a story, and I began to write, and that's what I, and I, as I'm telling this, I'm, I'm getting getting the chills. But that's what I'm excited for is getting the opportunity to to inspire these kids and, and give them a chance to to be on the show and to let their story and their voices be heard. And what so, age? Sorry, that was a long answer no, to tell was, you about this. No, you gave it context, and it, I, I'm picturing it. Everything you're talking about is going through my head, and the pictures are coming. The kids are how old, basically? Yes, so I actually had a I had a kid there today. So we did some filming earlier this morning, and uh, he was eight years old. And mm -hmm. so he wrote his book last year when he was in uh, the second grade, and um, we published it and illustrated it. And uh, yeah, he was on the show this morning. So he was he was eight years old. And I'll give you a little a little context of of the episode. So his book is called My Home Run Life and it's about um his his championship game and he hits a home run and uh, inside the park and it's super exciting. And uh what he wanted to uh he got down to two strikes and and no balls, right? And and so his whole, you know, um meaning for writing the story is to teach kids to to never give up even when um things don't look good, right? And so Anyway, his favorite baseball team is the Phillies. And so what we're hoping to do is to land him a meeting um, with the Phillies uh, for the episode. But oh, wow. um, but we, we have authors. Our oldest author has been, I believe, uh, 12 so far that we've had on the show. Um, and youngest has been seven. So, uh, so yeah, we have some, some pretty young authors. I, you know, it's amazing. Everything is amazing. And, and. <laughs> Audience, you saw the banners of all the places you can go to see the very airy library. You've got to see this show. Now that you know how the set was built and these two <laughs> brothers that built it, you would think it was, I'm not exaggerating, you would think it was built in Hollywood with, with you know, all the money around it. It's magical. The, the things fly and things come in and come out. I was just, I loved it. I loved it, Stan. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. It is a nonprofit. I assume that if anyone is interested in perhaps being a part of it by donations, that you'd be willing to take them, wouldn't you? Oh, yes, we, we definitely need it. Um, as, as you know, uh, as you were saying before, trust the process, don't rush it. And, and we're in that part of, of where we're just trusting the process. And uh, one of the things that we that we need is, is financial support to help us to scale this. Um, you know, I mentioned that we have about 40 books right now. Mm -hmm. uh, if we would have had the money, the means, we could have 100 books right now because we've had over 4,000 kids participate in our writing program and so uh, we've had a bunch of books that were worthy of being illustrated but we just didn't have the fun so uh, we would love to uh, be the recipient of, of funds that you may have looking to to put in a good place um, you can make a donation to put books on our bookmobile which will inspire uh, acts of kindness in minutes read you can uh, donate to have books 
uh, illustrated um, up here on the left there. This is a, a picture of a kid who was our first winner for our Share Your Story program. Um, you can actually sponsor books. So you can dedicate a book in someone's honor. You can pay mm. to um, get a book illustrated. And in the back of the book, you can make a dedication page. Or let's say you have a business. Uh, you want to run an advertisement for your business. So um, it's an advertisement as well as getting a kid's voice being heard and also uh, help the kid make some money. I have a couple kids that have made probably um, close to $2,000 with book sales. So all that money goes to them. And so there's multiple ways that you can support this initiative, but uh, we would love to to be the recipient of, of any, any type donations. There's no donation um, too big or too small. We'd be grateful for any of it. So thank and you in advance for your support. You know what? And you're the real deal. That's why I had you on the show. And you know, the reason uh, that I even found you is because of Carrie Stinson, who played Barney, oh, yes. the purple dinosaur, for all those many yeah. years. And I know he is so in love with your initiative and your nonprofit, and I know he's going to be a part of it as well. I just have to leave by saying, yeah. as an author of books, I can't believe eight. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me how I did that. Here's what I want to say. It was, it was not easy. <laughs> it was not easy right. for me to yeah. write these books. It was tedious. If I had had something like this that inspired me when I was a lot younger than when I started writing, it would have been so helpful. You're doing great work. I'm behind you 100%. I can't wait for the participants to see the show, the very airy library, and everything is under the banner. If somebody wants to contact you personally, how could they do that, Stan? Yes, uh, love to hear from you. Love to, to hear any questions that you may have or um, maybe ideas. Say, hey, hey, Stan, have you thought about this? Uh, you can reach me at Stan. My, my email address is stan at leapforliteracy.org. Again, that's stan at leapforliteracy.org. Please shoot me an email at any time. I'd love to hear from you. And um, it's, it's, it's always good to... You know, Valerie, you can you can probably attest to this when you're when you're um, grinding, right? You're 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 in you're in the trenches, and you you don't know if if you're making a difference, right? right. Um, it's good to to get a, a message of like we see the work that you're putting in. We're proud of you. May not have any money to donate, but words are sometimes more important mm -hmm. and just as powerful as as making a financial. Um, contribution. So um, if you want to just give a shot to say, hey, Stan, we see the work that you're doing, that's definitely welcomed as well. So I look forward to, to hearing from you all. Well, I bet you'll hear from them. And I want to tag on to that to say <laughs> to the audience, I don't know if you know the power of what hitting that red button is for me. Please subscribe to the podcast. All it is is letting you know when the next one is up. And I'm running them two weeks at a time now. So it's not like I'm sending you a bunch of stuff. I'm not. But guess what? Google matters. Subscription numbers mm -hmm. matter. And you also know, if you've been watching my show for these four years, Valerie and Company is a leadership firm. So yes, I do a coaching. And yes, I do keynote speeches for sure. And that's what brings in the money. 
this is not a money-making deal. This is like Stan's. It's from the heart because I believe so strongly that we need to hear stories from real people who have maintained their integrity as they have grown their business or become successful. That's all it is, authenticity, leadership, authenticity, doing it right. So thank you again, Stan. And I want you to stay tuned because I've got a Valerieism quickly. And here it is. Here it is for today. My Valerieism is leaders are gardens, sowing seeds rather than expecting bouquets. And we've kind of talked about that today. Mm -hmm. Leaders are gardeners, sowing seeds. Every leader that watches this show does exactly that. And I wish that other leaders who aren't watching this show would. So that's why it's so important for you to hit the subscribe button and also to share and comment. That's the only way I know. Stan is right. It's the only way I know if it's making a difference. Yes, we watch the numbers, mm -hmm. but boy, if you would just comment and say, Valerie, here's what I got out of the show. Here's what was meaningful. Thank yep. you. Maybe just to thank you. That's what just keeps me jazzed. Four years now, and I'm not going to stop. So that's the show for today. Wow. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Until next time, stay real, be authentic, and sow some great seeds. Be kind. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.